In a moment, Summer is going to get up and share with us, but first, um, I'm just going to do my little spiel about framing up this series for us. So if you were here last week, um, you will remember, you can see if you can remember my three caveats for um, the series. Um, you know, recall isn't strong in our generation because we have the internet, but I reckon by the end of the series, we'll, we'll, um, we'll all have these on lock. So um, as we are in our Four Dirty Words series, um, we are talking about romantic relationships and, and faith and generally just the difficult stuff that comes up for us um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually um, in, in those relational spaces. And the couple of caveats I have for us um, as we enter into tonight is that um, we are a community um, comprised of adults. And so um, being an adult is about um, responsibility and um, learning how to carry responsibility. So all of us have responsibility tonight to keep this um, space safe. We're a diverse community um, with yeah people with different experiences um, and life stories and gender and sexual orientations and all people are welcome to um, belong and worship in this community. Um, and so, yeah, we all together hold this as a space of mutual grace and care so that we can listen and receive um, and grow here. Um, so that's that's my first caveat. Um, we're all adults in the room. The second one is that we have an image um, at Blueprint of the Harakeke, which is a flax plant, which um, starts with little tiny retail shoots, tender shoots in the middle, grows um, to kind of medium-sized shoots, and then grows from there to, to big big leaves on the outside. So you have the rito, the afirito, and the tupuna shoots. And um, that image for us is one that says um, people are welcome here if they're feeling vulnerable and um, like they need to be held. People are welcome here um, um, if they're big and strong and, and kind of standing tall. We, we're all at different places um, and we're all growing. And um, yeah, just holding that tonight, I just want to say we all come to this topic of romantic relationships with um, with bruises, with experiences um, one way or the other. And so if you're the little shoot, all good. If you're the big shoot um, on the outside that's done a lot of work in this space and feeling strong, awesome, you're so welcome. Um, so that's point number two. And point number three is um, Blueprint is a church community which is made up of a whole bunch of different people. And I'm, I'm leading that community. We're not a faceless institution. So if you have questions or things you're wondering about, or disagreements you want to yarn about, then, um, yeah, this is just an invitation to, to come and chat. Um, really keen to have conversations. So um, I guess we, we practice the piece each week, acknowledging that stuff comes up between us. Um, and I guess the principle that that reminds us of is that um, we want to be um, open and have peace flowing between us. And so if, if there's something that kind of is getting under your skin or that you're like, eh, about, um, then, yeah, come chat. Or if there's something that you love and you want to come chat, come chat. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's our little caveats as we enter into talking time. And with that, give it up for Summer Benton. So, yeah, let's pray. Loving God, I thank you that we can gather. Thank you that we are gathered in your name. Um, that you've drawn us here tonight. And pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bless Summer as she shares. Uh, you'll bless her, uh, bless, yeah, bless her words as they are sent forth. And bless our listening and receiving of those things. Would you speak to us tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for the invitation. Or thank you, whoever invited me, Rose. Thanks. 
Um, it's really, I'm real excited to talk about this topic because obviously clearly I've already talked to you about it before, but the issue of wholeness and the topic of wholeness around where we sit with wholeness in Christ, so not just worldly wholeness, but wholeness in Jesus, um, is one of my most passionate things to talk about. Um, so I have a couple of different hats um, where I work with the church um, and um, in leading in that space, and then also I'm a mental health professional. And so um, when these two things come together, I get really excited and really passionate. So I'm really stoked to be here, um, and it's been a fun journey to think and pray about this topic it's a bit hard. I feel like I have my back to people, so apologies um, if I do. I'll just talk to Dale here. <laughs> um, here at the top of my notes, I have a little note that says, Rose stole all my stuff and a little frowny face. So let me tell you what happened. Um, I, like, never prepare sermons in advance. If I'm lucky, I've written maybe a few days to go. Um, but God usually stirring things up with me right up until the moment when I show up to share. But this time, see, in the epic organization of Blueprint, I got an email like a long time ago. Would you be happy to share on this topic on this date? Um, and I agreed to it. I signed up for it. And then like a couple of weeks later, you know, in, about a week in advance of when you're going to share, could you send us like the topic and some questions for our life groups? Is that what they're called? Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to really get onto it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this together a couple of weeks in advance, and that's going to feel really good um, and not stressful at all. <laughs> and I did. Um, and then Friday, I have one day a week when I leave the house, and I leave my children at school and kindy and with my husband, and I um, go to work. And I, on the way home on the train, I thought, oh, I have a minute, um, and I never have time to listen to podcasts or sermons or anything like that because of... Um, the number of children in my life. And I had a minute and I thought I should really listen to that sermon that Rose did last week before I share. And I did. And I listened to her beautiful intro in this quite cool series that we're talking about blueprint culture and the ethos here. And I was like, oh, this is so good. Like, I'm so excited to come and share on this topic. And then she launched into her talk about intimacy and I listened and I listened and I was like, damn it. That's all my stuff. Like, seriously, like, the first 10 minutes of Rose's talk was, like, the first 10 minutes of exactly kind of what I was going to say to you guys. <laughs> Where is Rose? Cheers. <laughs> Hiding behind a pole. So here we are. But you know what I decided? I decided that's okay, actually, because maybe there's a reason for that. First, it tells us that Rose and I are, like, really smart people and, like, deeply connected. But it also tells us that the topic of intimacy and the topic of wholeness are also quite connected. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? So rather than taking what God had given me to share and like throwing it out and trying to come up with new content, I um, am going to honor what God had given to me um, and trust that if it feels a bit repetitive, that's okay. And maybe he's going to do something with that. I can actually guarantee that he's going to do something with that. And the good news is I do have original content at the end. So, hold on to your seats. Um, so, in order to unpack this topic of wholeness, I think it's quite important that we understand two things. Um, one is, what is wholeness? So, what are we talking about when we talk about wholeness? And two, why is that a thing that's important? Why do we crave wholeness? Why do we need it? Why is it that as human beings, most of our lives revolve nearly entirely around the quest for wholeness? 
And both of those questions can be answered and put into context that they need to be put into in order for us to understand them um, simply by taking a look at the biblical narrative. So the Bible, the story of God and his people. Because we can talk about wholeness from a purely secular standpoint, but that would leave us with quite an incomplete view of what wholeness is. Like not very whole at all. That's a good joke, isn't it? Um, So I want to go back to page one of the Bible, the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God separated the waters from the sky, and he separated the land from the water, and so on and so on. And you know the story. But then in verse 26, it says this. um, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. I want to draw your attention to something that's really important in that verse. And it's the use of the plural, us and our. You see, God has been and always will be, from the very beginning, a triune God. Sounds familiar? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the reason that this is important is because it shows us that at the very core of who God is, is relationship. God is one God, but because within his being, he's Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we know that a part of God's character is relational. And so going back to verse 26, it says, let us make human beings in our image. Now, God created us to be like him, to also be in relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others. Then sadly, we all know what happened later in Genesis. And by chapter three, um, we read an account of the fall, when sin entered this perfect world that God had created. It didn't take us very long to mess it up. And the very fact that sin was able to enter this perfect world that God had created is further evidence that God's design was for us to be in relationship. Because for sin to happen, human beings had to have free will. And because without free will, you can't have authentic relationship. It's impossible. So this relationship, this relationship and the relational part of who we are was God's design from the very beginning. So you have Adam and Eve and they're living in the Garden of Eden without shame or death or sickness and in perfect peace and wholeness with God. Perfect peace with wholeness and wholeness with God, with each other, with themselves and with the world. And that is the picture. That moment in time that we see in Genesis after the time of creation and before the fall, that is wholeness. So when we talk about wholeness, that's what we're talking about. But with the fall, with sin coming into the world, brokenness happened. And brokenness is the opposite of wholeness. And so as we seek to understand wholeness, we need to hold these two things in tension with one another. The most significant part of that brokenness is seen in broken relationships that human beings have. So with the entering of sin into the world came brokenness in our relationship with God 
okay, broken, brokenness in our relationship with others, in our relationship with ourselves, and in our relationship with the world, with God's creation. So we had full and complete wholeness, and then sin came in, and we had brokenness in all these relationships. And the rest of the biblical narrative is a story of us trying to restore those broken relationships, our quest for wholeness. And that's why it's a big deal. At the very core of who we are, who God created us to be, is wholeness. It's connection, it's relationship, it's intimacy. And it's been wounded. And we're trying to heal it. And that's the story of the Bible. That's how big this topic of wholeness is. Now, as Christians, we know the rest of the story. Thankfully, goodness gracious, because otherwise there is no hope. We know that this is the very reason that Jesus, that God sent Jesus to die for us. He died for the brokenness in the world. He died for sin and for the divide that sin has caused in our relationships. And through Jesus, and only through Jesus, do we have the ability to have wholeness again. And one day when Jesus comes and establishes the kingdom of um, heaven on earth, we will have full and complete wholeness again. But until then, we're sitting in this space where we can find wholeness through Jesus, but we are going to have to fight really, really hard for it. Because sin is still here. And brokenness is still all around us. Okay, so it's with this huge, big perspective picture in, per, picture perspective in mind that I want to um, spend some time unpacking these different relationships that we're fighting for wholeness in and explore how this quest for wholeness, for some of us, can get quite out of whack. And sometimes, and particularly in romantic relationships, our very attempts to find wholeness can create more brokenness. And so I described earlier in the reminder of the story of creation for us that wholeness looks like this beautiful picture of the Garden of Eden. But none of us, pretty sure, have ever been to the Garden of Eden. Would be quite incredible though, wouldn't it? So I think it's important for us to translate that, that picture into a real and lived experience so that we know what it might be that we can relate to. What might wholeness actually look like now? So what does wholeness look like in our lives? I think maybe a more helpful question might be, what does wholeness feel like in our bodies, in our minds? What does it feel like to be whole? I think it feels like peace and warmth and calm, security, Connection. Anybody else have any other words? Acceptance. Acceptance. Lack of pain. It does not feel like fear or panic or worry or distrust. Separation does not feel like separation. Anybody else have any words of what it does not feel like? Shame. Shame. Oh, yeah. How did I miss that one? Anybody else? Nervous. Nervous, yeah. No anxiety or fear. That's not what wholeness feels like. So I wonder if you will go on a little journey with me for a minute. And I want to try and drum up this feeling of wholeness that we have um, so that we all kind of have something that we're working from in our understanding of wholeness. 
Can you do that? So why don't you all, sitting where you are, close your eyes and take some deep breaths. Kind of center yourselves the best that you can. I want you to ask God to bring to your mind the most peaceful and secure feeling that you've ever had. It could be a moment with a loved one. It could be a childhood memory of nurture from a parent. It could be a time when you connected deeply with a friend. Or it could be a moment when you felt closest to God. And if you have no idea what that feeling is like, then that's okay too. God is here with you now and ask him to show you what wholeness feels like. Ask him to draw near. You know, open your eyes when you're ready. And in your own hearts and your own minds, try to answer these questions. How did that moment feel? You might not even have words to articulate it, but can you feel it? Can you still hold on to that feeling of wholeness? Okay, that is just a tiny glimpse of what it is that we are fighting for when we fight for wholeness. So we all know that this series is about romantic relationships. And thanks to the steamy bodies under the sheets image, we all have a visual reminder of that. But in order to be able to talk about wholeness in romantic or intimate relationships, we have to talk about wholeness, I believe, in all relationships. Um, and after we do that, I'm going to dig deeper into romantic relationships. So I don't think I got totally off course. But I think it's quite important to talk about it in relationship to all of those other relationships that we have that we talked about were broken with the fall. So earlier I listed those four relationships that broke down in the Garden of Eden. Our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with creation, and our relationship with others. And under that is what comes romantic relationships. So I'm going to go through each of these and kind of unpack that just a little bit for you guys. Um, so first, our relationship with God. Our relationship with God arches over absolutely everything, right? We know that. And if that relationship is not whole, and then all other relationships will be off. Or at the very least, like really out of balance. And I'll talk more about that balance a bit later on. So our relationship with God is the overarching one, the one that is the most important and the most, has the most potential to affect all the others. The second is our relationship with ourselves. And this is an interesting concept, our relationship with ourselves. Let me be clear, this is not just about you. This is about how you are, you, in relation to the way God made you. Who are you in relationship to God's perfect design in you? Brokenness here comes out in issues like body image and shame, or possibly on the other end, pride and vanity. And it's so easy to get out of balance here and become quite confused. So where does confidence in who God make, made you start to become pride or vanity? This is also about your story, your journey. It's about bad things that have happened and where you see God in those things. Brokenness here looks like unhealthy coping, unhealthy coping strategies. It can look like addiction or self-harm. It can look like shame. That's brokenness in our relationship with ourselves. And third is our relationship with creation. So big picture um, here is the way that humanity has treated God's creation. So brokenness in our relationship with creation um, on the big scale looks like climate change or all sorts of other environmental issues. 
Um, and brokenness in our relationship with creation on a more personal scale looks like maybe how we manage the resources that we've been given. Do we trust in God's provision? Do we trust in God's generosity? Or do we panic and hoard things and make choices out of fear? Um, do we destroy things around us? Or are we good stewards of what God's given? And last um, is our relationship with others. So this applies to friendships and family relationships or, of course, romantic relationships. Whatever relationship is on top for you right now, you can think about it through this lens. Um, as I've already stated, God created us to be in relationship with others. And as we pursue relationship with others, it's so important to keep all of the above three relationships in mind. Because what happens is this. Brokenness in the other relationships often comes out here as we relate to one another. And it really, really comes out in romantic relationships when you add the dynamic of intimacy. So we may be unable to form significant relationships with others because of our brokenness in one of the other relationships. Or we may seek wholeness by clinging to another person and desiring for them to make us whole when actually only God can do that. It's about balance. And sometimes the balance just gets out of whack. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I said that if we aren't fighting for wholeness in our relationship with God, then everything can get out of balance. We might lean too much into another person or place unfair expectations on them, let them dictate how we feel, if we're happy or not. Okay, that's the quest for wholeness gone wrong. You're trying to find wholeness by entering into a relationship with another person, but it's out of balance. So the reason I've just spent so much time talking about all these different relationships in our lives is because when you understand that picture, then you can see quite clearly that when we're in a romantic relationship, that relationship does not exist in isolation. They're like all parts of the same whole. Um, now, the way I would set apart romantic relationships is with two things. One is intimacy, as Rose talked about last week. But you can have emotional intimacy outside of a romantic relationship with like a really good friend or with your family. And so the other is physical intimacy. Sex. Or the desire to have sex. Or the temptation to have sex. So I think when both of these are present, emotional intimacy and at least a desire for physical intimacy or potential for physical intimacy, um, then we have the makings of a romantic relationship. So that's how I'll, I'll define it. And I spent some time in my preparation for this um, talk considering the main ways that I think brokenness comes out in our romantic relationships. And as I wrote this and as I'm saying it, it feels really like, oh, like I'm just talking about a bunch of like brokenness. But you just have to. Like, I don't think we can talk about wholeness until we recognize where wholeness falls short. Otherwise, we're just like, it's like therapeutic and making us all feel good. So that's my caveat. So it doesn't feel so depressing. But I came up with these three things where I think that brokenness comes out in big ways in our romantic relationships. There are, of course, heaps more. But I think this is a really good start. And I think it covers quite a lot um, in the way that they overlap. And when these things are present um, that I'm about to talk about, it's almost always due to the fact that something in one of the other relationships is off. 
usually in your relationship with God or your relationship with yourself. But as I said, that brokenness in those relationships tends to come out in our romantic relationships. And here are three ways that it does that. One is codependency. Two is disordered or broken attachment. And I'm going to unpack all of these. And three is sex. Um, Codependency. Who knows the word codependent? Do you, like, really know what it means? Or you just kind of heard it floating around? Oh, stop being so codependent. Um, So I'm going to unpack it a little bit. One way to understand codependency, it's like the brokenness and wholeness thing, is to understand the opposite of it. So we can look at what it means to be dependent on someone, which is generally a healthy and a good thing in romantic relationships. So if both members of a relationship are dependent on one another mutually, we call that interdependence, and that's a good thing. And that's actually what brings about wholeness. It's when there's mutual balance in the relationship with regards to emotional needs and support. So like I need your support in my life and I need you to engage with me emotionally. And I am going to support you and engage with you emotionally. And that's good. That's interdependence. Codependency is when that mutual balance is off for one person in the relationship. So one person may feel that they're worthless unless they're needed by the other. Or one person has no real personal interests or identity outside of that other person or outside of that relationship. Or when one person feels that their needs just aren't important and so they don't express them. A lot of times codependency starts in childhood. So many things start in childhood. It almost sounds cliche, but it's true. And it's for people when they are told or shown that their needs aren't important or valid And a really high percentage of those situations, at least one of those parents, the parents of that child who was told their emotional needs aren't aren't important, um, was probably struggling with issues of addiction or mental health. So that child might be so busy caring for the emotional needs of their parent and managing that parent-child relationship, which shouldn't be the responsibility of the child, that they're unable to form a working narrative of their own emotional needs. What does it even mean to have an emotional need and how do I express it and how do I trust that that other person is going to meet that emotional need? If codependency shows up in your romantic relationship, it's okay. It is not like the big red X. Like, oh, nope, we're done. Like, this is not good. But it needs to be healed. But the first step to to healing is the recognition that some is is the recognition of the fact that something needs needs healing, right? And so that's why it's important to look at it. Again, I'm probably disclaiming the negativity because I really like strengths based things, but this is a lot of um, negative content. So if something like that happens, it's just an opportunity. It is an opportunity to seek healing and wholeness. Um, the other the other place that Um, I think brokenness can occur in our romantic relationships is disordered or broken attachment. You guys know what I mean when I say attachment. I'm getting a lot of furrowed brows. I'm not really sure. So I'll unpack it. When we are babies, as Rose talked about last week, again, right there, um, we are born with like this incredible dependence on our parents. Human babies are um, the most dependent of all newborn mammals. 
Apparently, since human beings walk upright, babies' heads, and therefore their brains, have to be small enough to fit through the birth canal. Um, and if human beings didn't walk upright, they could be a bit bigger. But because of that, these babies are born with like tiny little heads. Does not feel tiny when you're giving birth. <laughs> but tiny little heads. And, um, and they are so dependent. They are like these like completely little helpless creatures that can't survive apart from their parents. Specifically their mother, because of the way that the mother's body goes on to nurture through um, providing milk and all of that for a really long time. So when this human baby is born, the bond that exists with its parents, because it's completely and utterly dependent upon them, that's called attachment. If a parent is absent or emotionally unavailable or neglectful or unable to form an attachment with their child because of their own stuff, sometimes that attachment is broken or it's just not as strong as it needs to be. Kids who have broken or weak attachment with a parent can often heal from that bonding and attaching, from that broken attachment by bonding and attaching to another safe adult or caregiver. And when that happens, it is the most beautiful example of God's healing power that I think, one of the most beautiful examples of God's healing power that I think can be witnessed. The way that God goes and redeems that just, by, just through love. But when a attachment is broken and it doesn't have the opportunity to heal, then it might come out in a romantic relationship in the future. So broken attachment can look like, in a relationship, it can look like an inability to bond with somebody, maybe emotional unavailability. Or it can look like too strong of a bond where your demands on the other person might be unfair or unrealistic. So like with codependency, if attachment issues show up in a romantic relationship, it's also okay. And it's actually a really, really beautiful opportunity for healing. But it needs care and it needs attention. The last thing I want to talk about is sex. Okay, and the main thing that I want to say about sex is this. It is good. It is so good. And I don't just mean like it is good. Apologies to my son, who's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. He's got his hands in his head. Um, um, but it is, like, so good because God made it to be good. God made sex to be good. So sex is God's perfect design for us. He gave us our desires, and he made our bodies to respond the way that they do. It's good, and it's powerful, and it's one of the pathways that we've been given to find that wholeness that we're seeking. Sex is all of those things, connection, warmth, peace, and because it's so good, it's one of those things in our world and in our lives that Satan attacks particularly viciously. So all around us in the world, we see sexual brokenness. Examples of that are sexual abuse, sexual manipulation, distortion, pornography. I spent eight years living in Cambodia, working with survivors of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. There is a lot of brokenness in sexuality in our world. 
And the statistics that we have tell me that in this room there are tragically significant number of us who have been experienced a part of that brokenness in some way or another. And even more of us in this room who may just be really confused about sex and what it's meant to be and because there's so much brokenness around us, like we don't even know what's real anymore. Does it feel like that sometimes? And that is part of the fight that we are fighting in our journey to wholeness. And fighting for sex looks like this. Taking inventory of the sexual brokenness in your life or in your relationship and seeking healing. And for those of you who are not yet in a romantic relationship or you're in a romantic relationship but you're not engaging in any sexual intimacy, do that work now. It takes a bit of the messiness away. But if you're engaged in a sexual relationship now, it's also not too late. Like take inventory of that brokenness and seek healing. And as a whole, I think churches just don't talk about sex enough. So I'm really, really impressed. Well done, Blueprint. Like, keep talking about this. This is a topic that needs to be explored as a faith community. Fight for it together and accept the messiness of it and dig for the gold because sex is so good. So we've already said that full wholeness is only possible through Jesus. And until he comes again, we're going to have to fight really, really hard. And I feel like I just like laid this litany of fights before you that you could potentially have for wholeness in your life. But when we have those fights and when we engage for those fights, in those fights, we see the kingdom of God breaking through. It's like exactly what God's calling us into. And when we are able to find it, that wholeness, we become active participants in the kingdom, in the, in the fight against brokenness in the world, in the, in the quest for wholeness. It draws us closer to God. It draws us closer to each other. It draws us closer to creation. It draws us closer to ourselves in an authentic relationship with ourselves. So as I finish, I want to leave you with a few things to keep in mind um, as we consider, how do we go on our journey to wholeness? Like, what does that look like? And the first thing is, start. Start the journey. Tell me your story. I don't know where I went. It was really beautiful and really vulnerable, and I really appreciate you sharing. And what an example of starting. I'm just going to start the journey. Don't be content to live in brokenness. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, well, that's just like the way the world is. Don't give up because the fight seems too hard. Because that is the very reason that God sent the Holy Spirit. To give us the power to fight for wholeness and restoration in all of these areas. Two is become self-aware. Seek to see how brokenness may be manifesting in your life and fight it. Pay attention to when one of the relationships that we talked about might be getting out of whack. Watch for the warning signs like I described. And ask God for revelation. And listen to those who love you.
Listen to the ways that they might be seeking to speak into your life. And last, don't go alone. And don't be afraid of intimacy. So the last thing that I would want or that God wants is for it just to feel like too insurmountable. And so therefore, I'm just like not going to do it. Actually, I just would rather be alone than fight for that relationship. You see this in new relationships. You know, people that are like, oh my gosh, this is such hard work. I hear like the first year of marriage for most people is that. Like, why are we having so many fights? Like, why are we doing so much work? And a lot of people just like, they're like, I'm out. I don't want to do it. It's just too hard. But don't be afraid of intimacy because if we just give it up, that's exactly what Satan wants. Fight for it. Like I said, in relationship with others, we have the potential to have things get out of balance. But actually, it's in the intimacy, those intimate relationships that we have the greatest potential to find wholeness. Don't have to answer me, but I'm going to ask the question. Feel free to by raising your hand or not. But how many? for how many of you was your quiet moment of wholeness an interaction with another human being? It's really beautiful because that's God's kingdom breaking through and that's God's love breaking through through another person. So it's worth fighting for, team. It's worth fighting for. But I think I'm going to go back up as I close to don't go alone. And like Rose said, this is not a faceless institution. And you guys are really fortunate to be in a faith community that cares and is willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy to love on you through this stuff. And so reach out, find somebody, talk to somebody, start the journey um, and even if you're like, actually, I feel pretty good. Fine anyway. Okay, because there's always stuff that we can bring to God and make even stronger.